It's TechBiter Worldwide. I'm Bill Blinn with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the sports, most of the jingles, the weather, and the commercials. Podcast number 314 for October 14th, 2012. This week, it's all about security. Well, for the most part, anyway. LOL, is this your new profile pic? Have you seen that message? Smartphones, now the new malware vector. If you download free software, you might just get more than you wanted. In short circuits, PC sales drop in 2012, but not by much. HP falls out of first place. And who are all these people and why are they endorsing me? If you're a Skype user and you followed a link that said, LOL, is this your new profile pic? Well, your computer might have been compromised. Antivirus maker Sophos says that thousands of unsuspecting users have clicked the links, and as a result, they were offered a malicious file. This week's program has an underlying security theme because security is becoming increasingly important. People who want to steal anything you have from passwords to money will attempt to use any application on your computer to achieve their goals. Graham Cluley at Sophos says the process is really pretty simple. Those who click the poisoned link are given a zip file that typically includes the words Skype and image along with some random numbers. The zip file isn't dangerous in its own right, but it does contain executable files that are very definitely dangerous. Sophos says that running the executable file will install a Trojan horse application that provides full access to all data on your computer. The malware installs in the application directory of the current user's profile and then adds an auto-run instruction to the registry. So that means that each time you start the computer, the malware will be loaded. But then what happens? Well, the malware is a variant of the DorkBot worm, and it can steal passwords, it can enroll your computer as a member of a botnet, or it can set you up for installation of what's called ransomware, fake security applications that claim to have found threats on your computer and will remove them, but only if you pay. Cluley says that many variants of the DorkBot attack have been spotted recently and that they commonly use social media such as Facebook and Twitter, but the threat can also spread via USB sticks and various instant messaging protocol. Instant messages via Skype are less common than those on Facebook, and many Skype users seem to be a bit less suspicious of such threats than our Facebook users. Facebook users, at least some of them, have learned the hard way that being suspicious of links is a virtue. But that's not all. Email continues to be a very popular malware vector. This week I received a message from a cousin who lives in Connecticut. The message said, You're here because someone you know nominated you for a discount and offered a link to click. Well, I didn't click the link, but I did let the cousin know that her email account had been compromised. 
This isn't an unusual situation either. It's a rare week when I fail to receive at least one message from an acquaintance whose email account has been taken over by a rogue application. And in some cases, I've seen this happen to the same person several times. Graham Cluley at Sofo says that it's important to be suspicious of unsolicited, out-of-character messages sent to you by online friends, and that out-of-character part is important. If your cousin normally addresses you by name, sends chatty messages, and has never sent you a link before, then trusting a message that says, Hey, check this link! with about 14 exclamation points after it would probably be ill-advised. More exclamation points are good indicators of bad messages. When you receive a message that seems to come from a friend, you don't know that the friend actually sent it. That's because the from part of an email is very easy to forge. So you don't even know if the message came from their computer. And when malware is installed on the friend's computer, even the routing headers will be legitimate, and a message may have come from your friend's machine but it may not have been your friend who sent it. As I've mentioned before, Skype users who expose their addresses to the world, as I do out of necessity, those folks will receive numerous fraudulent messages. Even so, Cluley says that Skype claims to take security seriously. He cites the following message from Skype, and I quote, Skype takes the user experience very seriously, particularly when it comes to security. We are aware of this malicious activity and we're working quickly to mitigate its impact. We strongly recommend upgrading to the newest Skype version and applying updated security features on your computer. Additionally, following links, even when from your contacts that look strange or are unexpected, is not advisable. Thanks so much, Skype. Continuing the security ramble, if you own a smartphone that has any means of connecting to your desktop or laptop computer, you also have a new and attractive way for fraudsters to inject malware. There's a comforting thought, huh? A few years ago, security experts were warning that malware would eventually begin appearing on mobile devices. That warning has now been modified a bit so that the verb is in the present tense rather than the future tense. SMS Zombie has infected half a million phones and tablets. Currently, this threat is active primarily in China, but it's particularly problematic because it has built-in defenses, and once it's installed, it's difficult to remove. SMS Zombie is an Android application. It serves as kind of a proof of concept for malware designers who want to improve the potency of their programs. A few weeks ago, I described Lookout Mobile Security. That's a service with both free and paid versions. It keeps an eye on security of your mobile devices. Lookout was the first to spot an Android malware application that has come to be called Not Compatible. Android users who visit an infected website will have the application installed. It's disguised as a security update, that's a pretty good social engineering tactic designed to convince users to allow the installation. Not compatible should be of concern to businesses and to anybody who operates a home network because it can gain access to private networks by making the Android phone or tablet 
look like a proxy server. The proxy sees all network traffic and it can grab usernames, passwords, or any other data that happens to pass by. One of the most popular mobile phone malware applications worldwide is called FakeInst SMS Trojan. FakeInst, of course, is short for fake installation. It has many variants. It can be found lurking in Instagram, Skype, and even in the Opera browser. This one can cost the user a lot of money because it sends SMS messages to numbers that charge the caller a fee. Now, popular in relation to fake-inst SMS Trojan might be a bit of an understatement. Some security experts estimate that more than half of all Android malware applications are variants of this one, even though the basic fake-inst SMS Trojan infection exists in Russia primarily and in Eastern Europe. Lucky Cat is another harbinger of things to come. It is what's called an Advanced Persistent Threat, or APT. It's the first such malware to attack Android devices. Lucky Cat, however, is not limited to Android devices. At its most basic, it's simply a Trojan horse that steals information. But the cat's footprints are on Japan's energy and aerospace industries. It's also been used to collect data from activists in Tibet, which raises some questions about its origins. Some malware applications, when installed on a mobile device, can obtain sufficient information about the user's other electronic devices that even these can be indirectly exposed to danger. Maybe you're old enough to remember when computers had no anti-malware applications at all. Then, only those who engaged in what were called at the time unsafe computing practices needed protections, and Antivirus definitions were updated about once a quarter. Anybody who operates a computer today without a robust suite of anti-malware applications simply doesn't understand how the world has changed. That same line of progression is happening in the world of smartphones, but it's moving at a much faster pace than when the primary target was just computers. Step right up, get your free software. There is no shortage of wares sites on the internet. These are places where you can go to download commercial software for free. Microsoft, Adobe, and most other software publishers have processes in place to ensure that their applications are installed on a limited number of computers. The wares sites offer software with these features removed, but often with other features added. According to a Microsoft report, about three-quarters of the people who install wares also install malware that comes with the stolen applications. Microsoft publishes its security intelligence report twice a year. You can download the 146-page report from the TechBiter Worldwide website. There's also a shorter 16-page report of key findings, and there's a link to that from the TechBiter Worldwide website also. The report is intended to provide a clear assessment of the threats that exist so that IT professionals can protect against them. Volume 13 covers January through June of this year. According to Tim Raines, who's the director of Microsoft's Trustworthy Computing Project, 
One of the most interesting trends to surface out of the latest report was the surge in software activation key generators being used as a mechanism to distribute malware. In the first six months of 2012, the threat family of Win32 KeyGen, representing software activation key generators, was detected nearly 5 million times. KeyGen detections have increased by a factor of 26 since the first half of 2010, and today KeyGen is the number one consumer threat family worldwide, rising above other prevalent threat families such as PornPop, Black Hole, Corn Ficker, and Fake PAV. The prevalence of KeyGen varies from location to location. However, it is listed as a top 10 threat for 103 of the 105 countries studied in the report. That means that KeyGen is in the top 10 list for threats in 98% of the locations that they provide analysis for in the report. Win32 KeyGen generates keys for many publishers' applications. It is not by itself malicious, but it is often included with malware. Microsoft classifies it as potentially unwanted software. The report says that 76% of computers reporting KeyGen detections in the first half of 2012 also reported detections of other malware families. This is a good indication that KeyGen is often bundled with or leads to malware infections. Boy, don't you feel safe? In short circuits, research by IHS iSupply says that fewer personal computers will be sold this year than last year. If that forecast proves to be true, this will be the first time since 2001 that year-over-year computer sales will have declined, but not by much. You'll see a graphic on the TechBiter Worldwide website provided by iSupply's research department, and despite the dramatic image that looks like a precipitous drop in computer sales, the percentage scale really shows the drop is about 1%. Looking at the raw numbers, iSupply says it expects about 349 million computers will be sold this year. That's down from about 353 million last year. The change appears larger when considered in light of the fact that computer sales have been rising every year for 11 years. Additionally, PC makers expected sales of lightweight laptops called Ultrabooks to improve sales. Unfortunately, the real growth has been in smartphones and tablet computers. In many cases, the new portable devices are actually displacing notebook computers, and some buyers might simply be waiting for computers that run Microsoft's Windows 8 operating system to be ready. You'll be seeing a lot of Windows 8 in the next year. That's because, except for Apple and Android devices, some version of Windows 8 will be found on just about any computing device you buy, from smartphones to tablets to notebook computers and desktops and servers. The long-anticipated post-desktop computer world actually, though, seems to be arriving.
For many years, Hewlett-Packard was the number one personal computer maker, but that is no longer the case. And depending on how you define personal computer, maybe it never was. If the term personal computer means any personal computer regardless of operating system, then Apple is number one. And Apple has been number one for many years. And Apple will undoubtedly continue to be number one for a long time. Even though far fewer Apple computers are sold than computers that run Windows, Apple is the only hardware manufacturer that manufactures Apple computers. There are several huge operations, such as HP, Dell, and Lenovo, that manufacture Windows computers. They're joined by dozens of smaller companies, such as Acer, Asus, and Toshiba, and thousands of smaller shops. These all build computers that are essentially based on processors by either AMD or Intel and run the Windows operating system. For the first time in five years, it appears that HP will be in the number two slot between China's Lenovo, heir to the IBM PC, or maybe in third place behind Apple and China's Lenovo. Gartner Research says that Lenovo has just under 15.7% of the market and notes that HP was a close second at 15.5%. But to reach those relative positions, Lenovo's sales grew by 10%, while HP's sales dropped by more than 16%. A second research firm offered similar numbers but maintained that HP was still in the lead, by 15.9% to 15.7%. And according to Gartner, worldwide PC shipments were down 8% in the third quarter from last year. For the past several weeks, I have been receiving endorsements from people on LinkedIn. In many cases, these endorsements have been issued by people I know only casually and for whom I have never done any work. So what the heck is going on here? Well, it's a new feature from LinkedIn. The business social media company characterizes it as a watered-down recommendation. LinkedIn has allowed recommendations since the beginning, but a recommendation required that the person offering the recommendation actually say something of value about the person being recommended. For endorsements, it's more quantity that counts, not quality. Maybe that's why one person endorsed me more than a dozen times. What am I supposed to do? Endorse everybody who's endorsed me? And should I endorse the person who endorsed me a dozen times more than the others? Ah, huh, I'm so confused. And apparently, I'm not alone. LinkedIn's David Brinker has written about this on the company blog. Endorsements, he said, allow users to recognize acquaintances for their skills and expertise. With just one click, he says, you can now endorse your connections for a skill they have listed on their profile, or recommend one they haven't added yet. Currently, this feature is available only in the English language version and only in the U.S., India, New Zealand, and Australia. More locations and more languages are planned. Endorsements could be something more for a potential employer to examine. How many endorsements do you have? Are they from competent and qualified people? The endorsements can be issued for specific skills that the LinkedIn user has specified, so a company that's looking for a project manager might consider more favorably 
a candidate who has hundreds of timeliness endorsements over another who has just a few. It's not the kind of thing that would make or break a hiring decision, but it could be an indicator that pushes the needle up or down a bit. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the weekly podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. All music on TechBiter Worldwide is licensed under the Creative Commons, and information about performers is on the website, www.techbiter.com. I'm Bill Blinn, and if you'd like, you can also send me a message from the website. Thanks for listening. I look forward to talking with you again in a week.